This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. That's Adam Amico. We're your hosts. Hello, everybody. I'm glad you didn't play the music in reverse like every other fucking YouTuber. Oh, no! Every every review I've seen for this movie, they start their intro music in reverse. I'm just like... Is that what's happening? Oh, it pisses me off. No way! It's the most obvious gag you could possibly pick. Oh, God, I wish I thought of it. Oh, <laughs> if you had done it, I would have just been like, no! Take two! <laughs> I thankfully don't watch a lot of YouTube reviewers because okay. I find them all to be um, very film broy. Yes, yes, and I am not a fan of the film bros. There's a bunch that I do. well, it's it's sort of there, there's the ones that are way too mainstream for their own good. Yes, and then there's others that are just so snobby it gives me a headache. Right, there's like no middle ground. There's there is a, no middle ground. There is like one or two middle grounds which are people that I tend to like um aside from that though like i like red letter media um yeah sure but they're a little like frat boy though you can get a little bit yeah kind of feels like you're in a dorm room talking about your pulp fiction poster yeah. when you listen to red letter media yeah I, <laughs> but they're so funny i don't really care yeah sure yeah there's a reason why i don't i don't listen to jeremy johns for that reason he's so in in the mainstream i love everything that comes out oh that, i that can't makes a do billion, him either i know yeah, it's it's too much it's too much way too much yeah would you say that this podcast is kind of a middle ground between <laughs> film snobby and frat boy we're gonna label ourselves middle ground as if we know what we're talking about i like to think of myself as the thinking man's frat boy you got you i don't think you should start by labeling yourself you know what i'm above them by by being in the middle ground yeah <laughs> i know i just think like we combine like fairly insightful film criticism we try our best with uh meathead shit jokes I think okay. we're kind of in the middle. Wouldn't you say so? Wait, so we're like South Park? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you want South Park podcast style, that's us. Yeah, that's we us. are uh, the uh, the uh, the Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <sighs> we are Trey Parker and Matt Stone meet Siskel and Ebert. That's what we are. Who's Trey Parker and Matt Stone? We know we both know who's Sik- who's Siskel and Eber. You're you're just Eber. I'll give it to you. Obviously, okay. uh, but yeah, <laughs> who's Matt Stone and Trey Parker? That's uh, hmm. I'm gonna take Trey. You want Trey? I want Trey. <sighs> Matt's the Jew, so I guess that works in my favor. I yeah, think that's so right. I think you're the Jewiest of the okay. two of us, yeah. even though neither of us are Jewish in any way, shape, I'm or form. I'm a little Jewy. I'm a little Jew. Yeah, you're a little Jew. I got like 5% European Jew in me. So. Is that right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. genetically, you have yeah. this verified? Yes. 23 in me? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, every time I watch Schindler's List, I just sob endlessly. Okay. Got it. For a different reason. Yeah. Uh this is why we're the middle ground podcast. <laughs> because we're <laughs> <laughs> it's because everybody hates us and we're super offensive. <laughs> now on to a review of the new mutants. <laughs> oh God. You want to hear about the new mutants? Go ahead. So I saw the new mutants this weekend. I know you did. The movies are open again, Adam. I know. I, I went to the movies this week. Okay, yeah. Yeah. A couple times. Twice. Yeah. Twice it's, in three days. It's pretty cool. Pretty awesome. You know what's cool? The movies. Yes. You know what's even cooler? The movies when no one's around you. Mm, yeah. It's sick. Yeah, I was I was having a field day. I mean, it's a little sad when you pull in because just by nature of the 40% capacity, the lot's not as full. Yes. But it is as full as it can be, which makes – which it's, it's nice knowing that people still want to go – 
to the movie. That there is demand for yes, it. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Right, right. And yes, it's wonderful not like brushing your, your arm up against some stranger. It's nice when that person isn't 500 pounds and sure. pouring over into the seat next to you. And the popcorn is like, like drizzling down his chest. Yeah, and if I ask for popcorn, I just take it off of his shirt. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, no more of that. It doesn't exist. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's great. It is great. It, we may never go back to that, you know. No. It might just be this way forever. Which could you imagine them just restructuring the theater and like taking out the seats? Oh my god, amazing! <laughs> That'd be nuts. It's the dream. Oh boy. Now that is the little, the dirty little secret about this social distancing thing. It actually makes a lot of public utilities better. <laughs> it just makes us like more American. Like we just want to like turn away from everybody. Yeah, we're, we're not hugging anybody. We don't want anything to do with a stranger. Exactly. So. People are wiping down the machines at gyms. Yeah. All their sweat is getting off the bench. It, it is condescending in a way when, when you get off a machine and someone wipes it down for you like, oh, I was disgusting, wasn't I? Right. I was a filthy Oh, yeah. When you neglect thing. Yes, yeah. to, to wipe it down and someone does it for you. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is my sweat not good enough for you? Don't you want to bask in the, in the glow of my sweat? <laughs> Don't you love my stink? Yes. I'm glistening. <laughs> I miss your musk. <laughs> So I saw the new mutants first day of the theaters opening up again. I saw it at 11 a.m. I went by myself and I'm like, I need to know what the hell this movie is all about. Because yeah. honestly, I I was more fascinated by new mutants than I was Tenet, if I'm being downright honest with you. Yeah, me too. Because here's a movie that was supposed to come out in 2018. Production, I assume, began around 2017, right after Deadpool really took off and sort of, I don't want to say changed the superhero genre, but definitely like... Let studios know it is possible to make a hard R genre E superhero movie and people will still see it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, 20th Century Fox, when that was a thing, was like, yeah, let's make a horror inspired X-Men movie. You know, we're empowered to really play around with the genre. And so they cast Maisie Williams and uh, what is her name? Anya Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy. I get her. Who's Anya Taylor-Johnson? Is that someone else? Uh, Taylor Johnson, are you t- um, the actor in um, Tenant? <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson. Ah, that's what it is. <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy <laughs> is who I'm thinking of, um, and uh, a bunch of other people, a bunch of other teenagers. And the movie is essentially a uh, a Jean Hughes movie meets a John Carpenter movie. Essentially what it is. John Hughes, John Carpenter, 80s teen comedy meets 80s teen horror. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And um, doesn't work. Obviously, Mm. it doesn't work in any way, shape or form. And that's why Disney decided to bury it um, and, you know, send it to Belize as Saul Saul Goodman once said on (laughs) on Breaking Bad. Send it to Belize. Yeah, we're going to send it to Belize, you know, send it on a trip to Belize mission accomplished nobody saw this movie not even critics saw this movie you couldn't get a review on opening day i went to see this movie opening day there was not a single review available online Uh, that has never happened before when i went into a movie purely cold nothing was influencing my opinion in any way no rotten tomatoes snippet nothing okay um but yeah I, i totally get it this movie is stale as hell it's just boring it's not like even bad in the x men apocalypse way or what I hear the Dark Phoenix way. I heard Dark Phoenix was just atrocious. Yeah, me too. I didn't see it though. Apocalypse 
at least it's fun in its terribleness. Um, X-Men Origins Wolverine, at least we can like argue about that movie. There's stuff to talk about in that movie. It's a, a abortion of a movie, that one. Obviously. Uh, but it's just, it's bad for all of the wrong reasons. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's what bummed me out the most. Like I was expecting a like level A train wreck. And uh, this was like a, I don't know, a pop-up, uh, you know, uh, out. That's it. Just, so in a way that makes it worse. Yeah. It wasn't like a sack fly or anything. It just the guy popped it up into center field and it was caught and retired the batter after two swings. What That's such a big joke, isn't it, though? Like you, you wait for this movie to come out for almost three years and then what you get is a whole heap of aggressive whatever. Yes. That's what it is. That's exactly right. See, I saw these trailers and initially I thought like uh, like all, all the way back when it, it first showed its face, I was like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. Right. And I moved on. I was like, okay, it's an, it's an idea. Right. Um, and then more trailers got released years later and I, still my reaction was, yeah. Right. <laughs> it looked exactly like what you described. Yeah. And I just, I, I was just so convinced it wasn't going to blow me away whatsoever. It was going to be just aggressively unremarkable and there was just nothing to take away from that as far as like a unique experience was concerned aside from maybe a moment or two here and there it just seemed so i don't know like cookie cutter despite how i guess i don't know unique that blending is that you just described right i i just thought at the end of the day it was going to be another studio superhero film that is you know kind of by the numbers uh it is that i i will say this it is not a horror movie yeah, didn't, yeah, no. Nope. It, it's just not scary. Okay, I just didn't okay. have as, and you know me, I, I get scared at, uh, you know, if, if, uh, there's a thud in the middle of the night, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I was just not scared at any moment in time. There are these like men with masks, with smiley face masks oh. that appear in the dreams of these X Men mutants. Oh, and like they, when they remove the mask, it's just like a face of skin and, you just see the mouth open up with these very sharp teeth Mm. and it's like you know the type of invention that would look scary in i don't know uh a movie like hereditary but here it's like these monsters don't really do anything they just sort of lunge at the characters and the characters fight back and i'm not really sure what the consequences were it is a pg-13 horror movie too and i think if they allowed it to be an r-rated movie perhaps I would have been a little more affected by it. Does this take place in an insane asylum? Yes. Really? Yes. A sane asylum movie. Oh, why? So it's just nightmare on Elm street, three dream warriors. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> That's why I'm thinking, like, when you, wait a second. I know this movie. <laughs> this, why does this sound so familiar? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Does Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors have a giant mutant grizzly bear? Uh, That is referred to in the comic as, quote, the demon bear. (laughs) What if I told you verbatim? No, I'm just kidding. That would be mind-blowing. Demon bear, Adam. It it does, however, have Freddy Krueger coming out of a television with robot arms and then grabbing a girl and then stuffing her head into the television and killing her. Okay. Close enough. 
Demon Bear, Adam. Demon Bear. Okay, I don't want to... Sp- I'm all right, Fine, I'll spoil the movie. I didn't want to, but I'm going to spoil it. So the movie climaxes with a giant demon bear attacking all of our creatures. I'm not sure what this has to do with the insane asylum, but there's the giant grizzly bear. That's amazing. Um, and so the main character, who's a Native American, who's, whose father was killed by this giant demon bear... <laughs> Uh, begins speaking beyond the grave to our main protagonist uh, more on protagonist later in the program (laughs) and she says to her father in the heat of battle she's terrified by this bear she goes but the bear it's too big and her father replies with you're bigger and that motivates our hero to get up from her trance and defeat the giant demon bear by staring at it she stares at it yeah and she just like she's like you're not too big for me you'll never scare me and then he just erupts that's kind of what happens in nightmare on elm street (laughs) especially in the first one where they're like you know what freddy you're just shit yeah so yeah it's it's just a nightmare on elm street it sounds there it's a demon bear yes demon bear adam that she just stares at and gets and yells at yeah she's like you know you may be scary but i'm scarier I don't think she exactly says that. She essentially thinks the demon bear to death. Oh. Oh. Because she stands up to it. She's standing up to her fears. That's the point of the movie. You're supposed to conquer your fears. Fear is the mind killer. That's right. (laughs) That's right, Adam. You have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that. No clue. You'll find out. Okay. (laughs) I don't think I will. Yes, you will. All right. Um, So, there you go. Demon bear. This movie (laughs) should have been much more interesting than it was. That's my point. With a fucking demon bear. Uh, <laughs> the first th- thought that came to my head was like CGI juggernaut from Deadpool 2. Was it in any way giving you those feels when you described it to me? Uh, no, 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 it was, it was weirder. I think. Okay. Okay. What I don't is like it? any of those movies though. That's I'm not right. a Deadpool fan either. It's just a bear. It's not like this, like weird. It's a demon bear. A- Annihilation esque bear. It's just, no, it's a bear. It's just a bear. Okay. It's a, but it's a big bear. Is it like, what do you mean? It's like, a building size. It's bear. not like in drenched in smoke. It's oh, kind of. Yeah. Eyes are glowing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. What, what part of demon bear don't you understand? I mean, I don't know. That, that, <laughs> it's a demon that's there a bear. There are many interpretations of demon bear. Have okay? I mentioned there's a demon bear in this movie? Yes, there's a fucking demon bear in New Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> don't go see it. Why was this movie not crazy? That's my point. Why did I see a demon bear on screen and shrug? There's no excuse for that, New Mutants. We've seen it all. No excuse. We have seen it all. Anyway. Uh, you want to talk about Tenet? We got... We, no, we're not done. We're not? We're not fucking done. What Chadwick do you want to talk Boseman's about? dead. Oh, yeah. I, I did talk about that on the other podcast. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if you talked about that or not. Yeah. That's, I did. That's yeah. a little crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little sudden. I didn't see that one coming. It's very 2020, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, the thing about actors, I, I kind of mentioned this on the other podcast, is that actors always want attention. Hmm. If you know any actors, you know them as the people in high school that craved attention and that sought yeah. it out. And when they were not given it, they would throw a temper tantrum. Which means they're having a fit this year. Right. Um, but like Chadwick Boseman had colon cancer for three years and didn't say fucking shit to anybody. Yeah. And like that's a pretty remarkable thing for someone who's that famous and is a high profile actor. He maintained this unbelievable sense of privacy. And I was just like really blown away by that. I just thought that was like very heroic, a very heroic thing for him to do. Yeah, good for him. No, I mean some people, some people like didn't weren't happy about the fact that he kept so quiet. But at the same time, who are these people? I don't know. Just like people amongst groups. Like when I was doing um, 
when I was a uh, Friday night, when I had heard about that, I was like helping some people out with the short film and the responses that of him not telling people were very mixed. And I was like, why? I don't know. I thought it was pretty great yeah. you know, to keep something like that. So private, it was very important. I mean, I'm, I think they were assuming like he, he didn't even seek out like professional help. I'm like, that's not true. No, he was undergoing chemo exactly. for four yeah, years. Exactly. So, okay. Yeah. No, I just thought that was, you know, awesome. I, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for people that deal with the hardest possible thing you can deal with and don't ask anything from anyone. You know what I mean? And he just keeps fighting it and just giving good performances. And yes. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. Good for him. I still don't like black Panther, but good for him. No, I know we we, (laughs) we talked about this. Get on up remains his best performance. I think, um, you really should see that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, a movie star performance. The, The movie is fine, but, he steals every scene. Isn't that the same with like every single music biopic? It's like the movie itself. It's okay. But the lead performance is like fantastic. Yeah. I, this is the best one of the last 10 years. I think this you is think? better than Rami Malek and Bohemian Rhapsody. It's, you know, I haven't seen the Elton John one, but yeah, I really like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, he's, he's excellent in that movie and he's got one more coming out and we'll see, but I, I just think like, it's a really tragic thing. I don't know. what do you want to say about it? No, that was, I just thought we should go over it, but yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, that I, I, I don't know. It was just funny because uh, not to say that he's like one of my favorite actors ever or something like that. I think just the notion that he died so suddenly was so, you know, I don't know. Anytime I see something like that, it's like, oh, it's just it's very upsetting. It's scary. It is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Not as scary as a demon bear, but still pretty no. scary. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're happy Chadwick didn't experience the, the demon bear, I yeah. think, at the end of the day. He conquered the demon bear, I would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chadwick conquered the demon bear. He brought it down. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Man. R.I.P. He's mm-hmm. going to be missed. And he look, we were robbed of forty years of of great performances. True. So it's yes. just it's a horribly tragic thing. Yeah. I said that on the podcast too. The whole gist of it was people are talking about his legacy and you know the impact that he had and you know his role as Black Panther or whatever and you know what an incredible career this guy left behind. And I'm like, no, he didn't leave an incredible career behind because. Like, this was a tragedy. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to have left an incredible career when you die this soon into it. I mean, he really had less than 10 years as a prominent Hollywood star. That That's the thing, though. His, that, I, that was the, the biggest takeaway that I had from it was that, like, his career would, had pretty much just started. Exactly. More or less. Like, exactly. It, it's not, like, unfortunately, like, I hate to say it, it's not an amazing career. Because right. Because, by definition, it's not. But that's the tragedy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the tragedy is that we were stripped of that. Like, the yes. dude definitely had, like, movie star potential. Uh, not potential. He was a movie star. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he should have just had incredible roles he should have worked with fucking tarantino and scorsese and like he should have did like an indie like period for like five to six years and then he could have played the villain and then he could have you know gotten his lifetime achievement oscar when he was 75 and just none of that happens and it sucks he got to work with spike so and he's great in that movie he's really good he's really good in that movie so there we go anyway tenant (laughs) yeah we'll get to tenant okay how do you want to begin? Uh, I don't know. Because this is going to be a doozy. Man, I don't know. <laughs> I said going in that the only reason – I was more excited to see that 50-second teaser for Dune. Yeah. More more so – like I knew it was going to be a 50-second teaser and I knew it was going to show the fact that the full-length trailer was going to come out on September 9th. I didn't really care. That 50 seconds was much more <laughs> impactful for me than anything I, th- I thought I would get out of uh, the, the actual movie I was there You were to that see. blown away by the teaser. Uh, Come on. N- not to the 
not to like unbelievable extent, but yeah, I was quite happy with it. it again, dude, like it's 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 just a teaser. It just looked like stills from the movie that we had already seen. I feel yeah. like I'd seen all these shots already. Yeah, that that was my only big issue with it was that like all the stills that almost all the stills that were in the teaser were pretty much in like the 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 leaked photos. That, yeah, yeah, that was the the only uh, disappointment with it, but. It's cool to see them in motion, <laughs> and it's cool to see Timothy Chalamet. Uh, I, I always forget that actress's name, but she uh, she's so perfectly cast. Zendaya. No, no, the, the old woman. <laughs> oh, um, uh, Charlotte Rampling. Charlotte, yeah, Charlotte Rampling as the Reverend Mother holding the Gom Jabbar up to his neck. I was like, yes, it's so perfect. Yeah, it's so perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah the, okay. Cool. And that and that Hans Zimmer music was actually working on me. So. Yeah. Did it work on you in another movie that we saw this weekend? <laughs> Well, I mean, he didn't do the music for this. Oh, he didn't? No, Ludwig did. Black Panther Ludwig. No shit! Gorenson, however you say his name, yeah. Oh, that wasn't Hans. No, dude. Oh. Oh, you're just figuring out about this now? I am. Yeah. So Ludwig is just like, time to do my Hans impression. Yes. Is that what he was was Literally, that's exactly what I thought. Because I knew that going in, and I'm just like, dude, like. Oh, wow. (laughs) There's nothing distinct about this one. Okay, uh, well that makes sense. Yeah, that actually makes perfect sense because the score here was kind of like a, it was kind of like Hans Zimmer karaoke. Yes, I agree. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I completely agree. Oh, Ludwig. Yeah, and a lot of people have been praising it. And I'm like, it's very clearly just ripping off what uh, Zimmer is always doing for 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 Nolan. So I don't know. A lot of bass drop. Uh, a lot of bass. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to begin with this thing. I don't either. So <laughs> let me attempt to. We saw this together, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we did. Because there's nobody I would want to see a Christopher Nolan movie in the theaters more than you. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen today. You're going to bash the movie. You're going to bash the movie from a number of angles. Maybe. And um, I'm going to follow you <laughs> in a lot of these criticisms. I'm going to say I'm going to follow you in most of these criticisms because I wasn't a big fan of Tenet. No, I just wasn't. Um, I do think, though, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're going to use this opportunity to validate criticisms of previous Christopher Nolan movies. It's hard not to because a lot of the issues here are prevalent in so many of Christopher Nolan's movies, especially in like my most hated Christopher Nolan's films. Um, I mean, it it speaks volumes to like the way I feel about interstellar in a lot of ways. Right. And a lot of his shortcomings and I'll just hit the the general flaw with just his cinematic interests and how just deeply uninteresting they are to me and uncompelling they are when he executes them. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just, man, the, the, the thing is, what I will say, ironically, out of all, out of like sitting with this movie for a couple of days now, I will never hate this movie as much as I hate Interstellar. That movie has a personal vendetta with me. And get now and make, make, let me make no bones about this. I don't care what you think about Interstellar. I don't care whether you know it or, or not, Nico. That is not a good movie. <laughs> I disagree. It is not a good movie. I disagree. And you have you have consistently over time failed to make a compelling argument to sway me in any way. Likewise. In any way. Likewise. Oh, g- good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you f- <laughs> fucking Nolan whore. <laughs> yeah. 
Interstellar is, in my opinion, like an objectively bad movie. What it, would you call this one? <laughs> yes, also a pretty objectively bad movie. Here's the thing, though. Um, I also think it's objectively worse than Interstellar. Okay. Uh, Interstellar was the bottom for me. Uh huh. I actually prefer The Dark Knight Rises. Um, uh huh. Yeah, this is, I think, worse than Interstellar, no matter how you try to swing it. <laughs> Yeah, that is really saying something. If, yeah. if, if yeah. you know Adam Hall, that is definitely saying something. Yes. Okay, um, here's the thing. Oh my God, this is the worst. This is absolutely terrible. Because here's the thing. I don't want to litigate Interstellar again. We've done enough of that. <laughs> I don't want to litigate Dark Knight Rises again. I don't want to litigate Inception yeah. again. Because I know what your opinions are in every single one of those movies. And there is no director we have debated more on this podcast than Christopher Nolan. So I, I understand, right, what you mean. I want to keep the conversation on tenant because here's the deal. Okay. As with every Christopher Nolan movie I have ever seen, I walked into this thing. Most of the time I was in a movie theater. I was in awe of the spectacle on screen. I just simply was. I thought the action was outstanding. Yeah. I thought the cinematography was breathtaking. I thought the editing was a little muddled. <laughs> to and, say the least. And I thought um, <laughs> the plot was ambitious. <laughs> That's forgiving. <laughs> and I watched this movie for two and a half hours, and I thought to myself, I cannot believe Christopher Nolan convinced a studio to give him $250 million to make something like this. Oh, again. yes. That's the, the, the most impressive thing about this thing is that it got greenlit at all. Right. So, <laughs> yes. as always, I am impressed by the sheer, sheer ambition, and I respect Christopher Nolan for attempting something this ambitious. Now, this is where I differ from every Christopher Nolan skeptic on the internet this week. The argument that you guys are making is that the muddled plot mechanics of this movie and the incoherence of the storytelling in this movie is present in Inception, is present in Interstellar, is present in The Dark Knight Rises, is even in, is even present in Dunkirk, right? The, the argument that you're making is that now, finally, you guys see what we've been seeing all these years. <laughs> I simply don't feel that way about Inception. Like, I'm watching this movie, and I am plugged in. I got up for one pee break, and I ran to the, the bathroom because I didn't want to miss just 30 seconds of exposition. I am plugged into this movie, and I am trying hard to understand what's going on. <laughs> like, I am straining my brain to understand who's in what timeline and what this idea of time reversal means and how you can run into the, the another version of yourself and what that does to the universe and string theory and multiple dimensions and whatever they were attempting to do in the third act of this movie. Like... I was trying so fucking hard to follow this. I have never been more engaged in a movie theater before. I just wasn't getting it. And in some cases, I just wasn't hearing it. Like, you can't hear what some of these characters say because the sound design is so fucking terrible. Oh, God, movie. yeah. <laughs> I could literally, not only I couldn't understand what they were saying, I couldn't understand what they were saying because they weren't audible. Yes. Okay? So... That experience is not the experience I had during Inception. Like, I get what's happening during Inception. It's certainly the experience during Interstellar, okay, though, man. If, if anything, and people are comparing this one to Inception because of the heist element, you know, the sort of the spy James Bond elements of it. Um, I get, like, dream within a dream within a dream. Each layer of the dream slows down the previous dream, and they're trying to implant a memory into a billionaire's brain so they can steal money. I get that. It's a heist movie. It's pretty simple to understand. Even the ending. All right. This is where he hit his dead wife. And is the top spinning or is it going to fall over? Like, 
I got it. And people accuse that movie of being muddled. I just didn't feel that way about uh, Inception. And I still defend that movie. If anything, that movie over explains the plot with Ellen Page's character asking leading questions to Leo DiCaprio every five minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interstellar. That's another thing. Like, I understand the idea of wormholes. I understand the idea of being stuck in a in a in a um, in a black hole where time moves slower than it does in the outside world. I watched that scene with Matthew McConaughey on a video call with his children aging, and I'm like, "This is incredibly emotional. It is it is drenched in pathos." And I get it, man. And I <laughs> get it. And he travels in into the future and he and he gives his daughter messages from the past. And I just thought it was a very touching father-daughter movie. I okay. still I it is a deeply personal movie for Christopher Nolan, and I stand behind, although it's a bit cheesy and although It doesn't work. Listen, not all of the <laughs> not all of the plot holes have been fully ironed out. I understood what was happening as it was happening, and I was engaged in the experience because of that. Tenet is the first time, and I include The Prestige, I include Following, yeah. I include Memento, where I am watching the third act of this movie, and I have no idea what the stakes are. Yes. I have no idea what's happening in any way, shape, or form. So, look, you may say that this movie validates your prior <laughs> criticisms. This is the first time I felt what you felt. Yes. Ugh. It's not about understanding it, dude. It has nothing to do with like what my criticisms ultimately are. Okay. I mean, the the, the problem here for me, and where a lot of the validation comes in, is that Nolan's just desire for like cinematic, like theater going spectacle is more important and more paramount than just a, a an, an intrinsically compelling and emotionally driven story, like. You, dude, you can call Interstellar emotionally like 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 resonant. I think it's all faux. I really don't think it works at all. It's all it all just feels like an excuse to hang uh, a lot of the greater uh, cinematic in quotes cinematic achievements on. It's like look at how cool this is. Look at how great it is to be sitting in a theater. Uh-huh. And a lot of the same issues with Dunkirk, even though that one's much better than uh, Interstellar. And like it was just the most transparent here where it's like it, it just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to write an excuse to have these characters do their thing in the most convoluted way that was so unnecessarily convoluted because time travel is cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And look at how cool it is to look at it on the screen. And I was so deeply uninterested in even thinking about this movie that it actually kind of left my mind. Uh huh. Well, I will say it has not left my mind. The, the third act and just the machinations of how fucking nuts it is. Yeah. And how impossible it is to just sit there and comprehend it, even on like a fifth viewing. Uh, I don't think that's that's uh, a positive in, in this sense. It doesn't right. even seem like he's trying to tell a coherent narrative. It right. just it, again, especially in that third act. I'm just like, man, I, I didn't even know it was Robert Pattinson who got shot in the head. Uh-huh. I was just like, <laughs> that's a moment that should sell for me. That's Robert Pattinson getting shot in the head. And I'm just like, really? Yeah, <laughs> it is a it is a huge issue when that doesn't register. And man, I'm sorry, but the inversion shit did start to get old. Okay. It just stopped working for me. It stopped being cool. I'm playing something in reverse is something I could do on my phone. Awesome. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently some YouTubers could do with their editing software. Man, as soon as he went through like the, the, the reverse world, like as soon as he, they're in that like red and blue room and he goes through the other end, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Okay. I didn't. Exactly. Because I literally turned to you. Happen. I turn, you can you verify this. I turned to you in that moment and I go, 
I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. And, and this is another problem is that I didn't necessarily understand the how or why I couldn't answer that for you, uh-huh. but I completely understood the broad strokes. Uh-huh. I very much understood like where each character was by the end of the movie, because they do explain that in a moment where there isn't a thousand fucking explosions going on over the dialogue and the music is just <laughs> drowning it out. And, and they're and, on phones with each other. <laughs> they're speaking through masks. masks. You can't even read their lips. It's Bane all over again. It's impossible. It is so ridiculous. And I, I, it seems like a conscious choice. I don't know. It always seems. I, listen, that's the issue. I once is a coincidence. Twice is intentional, right? Like he's done this now three I, I, or four times over. Oh, God, absolutely. I certainly uh, lump Interstellar into this category because half the time the music drowns out a lot of those characters dialogue. Yeah. So, so that that's a problem. But and of course, like you said, with Bane. Um, but yeah, man, like it's like like almost deliberately inaudible. And I'm sorry, that's not a worthwhile experience for me. And the puzzle is solved for you by the end of the movie. Uh-huh. You have a general idea of what happened and who the bad guys were and what they were getting at as as illogical and idiotic as it is half mm-hmm. the time. I mean, Kenneth Branagh's character is just one of the worst villains I think I've ever seen. I liked as, Kenneth As much Branagh. as he's chewing the scenery, I'm I li- just like, I liked Kenneth like what is your goal here? Just because <laughs> you're mad at the world? That's kind of what it seemed like. That's all it is. <laughs> you're mad at the world? <laughs> the- <laughs> I mean, dude, dude. He's a Bond villain, right? Yes, yes, exactly. He's a Bond villain. Man, the moment Elizabeth Debicki got on the boat, I'm like, yeah, I, this, it's checking off all those boxes with with how it's just replaying what we saw before. Like where she, I saw the woman jump off the boat and I hate my husband. I was like, well, that's you. Yes, that's who that is. Right. Don't don't try to fool me here, Nolan. For yeah. the love of God. That was one that I saw coming. Just, well, you said, though, I, after I we walked it, out of the theater. Go ahead. Oh, I, wait. After we walked out of the when theater. When we walked out of the theater, you mentioned that Dunkirk sort of pulled some of those same tricks and you were bothered Yeah, yeah. Well, Dunkirk... Uh, pulls the trick where it's like it gives you the reveal before it actually happens and it's sort of like like uh i guess man i guess it just totally hampered a lot of the uh the the tension that i would have had and i would have wanted in that movie yeah like a lot of like the big moments like where the where the people are stranded in the ocean and it lights on fire that is revealed to you before it actually takes place and i'm just like again i know what's gonna happen and i have a pretty good idea that these people get out alive here and it just makes that moment where it's actually happening all you know, all the less imp- impactful because of it. I don't like it when a movie like does that. I have to have no idea what that is. And I guess, you know, the fact that it's so clearly expressed to me there and then it's just re-expressed later. You know, it's that screenwriting tip. Don't, you know, if you're going to give the audience or, or geez, what am I trying to say? If you're writing a screenplay, it's you don't want to repeat yourself. Yeah. And it, because the second time you do it, it's just it just doesn't work as well. Yeah. And it's more than evident here. And what I was referring to was in the third act here, they show the bomb going off, which is necessary for the plot to be be a success. Yes. And they show it immediately. I'm like, I'm out. Right. Because I knew they were going to get away with it. I was just like, yeah, they're out. I'm out. I'm out. Right. It's like, you got to be shitting me. They, sh- they show it for like five seconds. Like, look at this reverse bomb going off. It's like. Oh God! It just—it's—it's the most frustrating narrative I've ever seen. (laughs) Okay, I understand your problems with it here. I don't think, in general, though, the idea of revealing the ending before it happens is necessarily a a bad thing, or it's or it's an uncinematic thing. It helps though if you have something to latch onto, though. Like I I mean, Fight Club does it. 
uh, yeah, but the movie is recontextualized with who these characters are by the end of it. That's right. What, that's and, well, important. that's what I'm saying. Dunkirk does a similar thing, though. Does if, it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Does it? Yes. Dunkirk. Yes. <laughs> Dunkirk Dude. recontextualizes what that burning airplane means at the end of the movie. You don't see the burn. I'm talking about like like the many like battle sequences that happens and who gets away and who gets out alive. It's like it's it's not like recontextualizing the characters for you. And even if it even if it did, it would help a little more if I knew who anybody was or if I cared about any one of these people. I'm not really convinced that Dunkirk does that, and I'm certainly convinced that it doesn't do that here. Yeah. Well, that's certainly true. It's like it. it yeah, like like if you're gonna like take me on a similar journey just with a tiny twist, that tiny twist just isn't enough. Like I I need something a, a little more meaty than what that. What was the twist here? <laughs> no, the twist ends up being like, okay, we're gonna play it all back in reverse, and it'll be cool to experience. I guess because here's the thing, right? Like I'm yeah. hearing a lot online about don't you dare spoil Tenant for me. It's not a twist at all to me. Are there like massive spoilers that if you told somebody ahead of time, like? It would ruin the movie for them? No. I don't think so, right? No, no that was the thing. I, I didn't understand what people were talking about as well. Yeah. I mean, just because it's a Nolan movie, like people are like, you know, they're they're so sensitive about spoilers and everything. I feel like I could explain the whole movie to you going into it, and I, you would still have the exact same takeaway once it's over. Probably. You know, this, I'm, I don't think like, actually, it would have helped if you told me the plot going into this movie. I think I would have been able to follow it a lot clearer. Yeah, it's not like, like oh my God, this thing that like re- like like recontextualize the rest of the movie like the only thing that you get recontextualized is that you get like a slight character reveal but you, again you see the character reveal coming a mile away yeah so you don't really feel the impact of that and it's also recontextualizing like a moment like i just said yeah but again you see it coming a mile away and i, I guess this is what i'm talking about is that like i need i need something uh, that I care about a bit more than just like the, the, the surface level Wikipedia description of what happens. Right. That's kind of what this movie feels like. It does. It's it? just, a, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. And mm, man, this is like one of the most frustrating movie experiences I've ever had. And, and I agree with you too. Like if you were to explain anything to this people, they, they, they would have like, I mean, yeah, man, it might've helped. Yeah, it might have helped. Yeah, I don't think it would have really blown you away if you had given any spoilers because I keep hearing that it's like we need we need to keep spoilers at bay because this is the most spoiler. Ha- it's like no, it's not. No, it's not. The spoilers aren't going to make any sense to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I still don't know what happened in the third act of this movie though. I, I seriously don't understand it. Like, I don't understand what they were trying to stop. I get like if the dude died, the world ended. I get that much. Um, I I don't understand how Robert Pattinson um, ended up in all of those locations with the fucking backpack. Yeah, I, I don't understand what this idea of the protagonist is supposed to be. Uh, I guess like th- thematically, I understand what he's supposed to represent, but just like on a plot level, it hurts my head to figure it out. Yeah, and th- that's the thing about Nolan movies sometimes, and I don't always feel this way, but sometimes. He is so invested in the plot mechanics that none of the moments land. Yes. And I, I just felt like the entire time there were a bunch of moments. And, you know, it's again, it's like a James Bond movie. It's like X thing happens and Y thing happens then Z thing happens. And you go down the list and like each mission leads to the next thing. But it's one of like those bad Pierce Brosnan Bond movies where none of those missions mean anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just end up at the end and you're like, what was all of that for? Um, to get Elizabeth Debicki back with her kid. 
Right. Because the movie is trying to to pretend to have a heart. Yeah. I guess that answers that question, doesn't it? (laughs) This was one of the worst endings, by the way. Did you feel the same way about the ending and just how fucking, how much of a fart that ending was? was Half-assed, yeah. Oh my God, it didn't work. For sure. Did not work whatsoever. The the death scene of the the woman who (laughs) had influence over the inversion methods the Indian woman. Yes. What was her death? It was like a, it was, <laughs> I, I want to make a list of the best Traeger deaths. Traeger from Predator. Cause like, <laughs> Oh, she's dead. Oh, Oh my God. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> it was so random. Yeah. It's like the beginning of the hunt has a bunch of those, <laughs> but it works there. Cause yeah. it's fucking hilarious. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of unintentional comedy in this movie. Yeah. Did you feel like the hallway, the the first inver- inverted hallway scene with the uh, uh, Washington and armored Washington that felt a little wrong to me? What in what way? It just it was kind of a silly fight. It felt that way to me at first at times. <sighs> okay, here's where I'm just not going to meet you halfway. I just found those action set pieces to be fucking awesome. I yeah. just I just really I thought they were incredibly um, enveloping and thrilling and. Uh, that's the hand to hand combat moment. And yes. it just didn't, didn't really work for it, me. If they were tied to a halfway compelling story, like I would have loved this movie. I really just found it to be a visual marvel. Um, but the problem is that Nolan can't just make a visual marvel. Or I, I take that back. He did that with Dunkirk. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Just like give me some action set pieces set during World War II. Um, here, I, I don't know what they were fighting for. I don't know, um, you know, if there was ever anything in peril that's part of the problem is that by the end of the movie what you realize is that all of this was already solved yes all of this was already taken care of and we already saw what happened at the beginning of this movie Mm -hmm. um and, and so you know the whole thing is just sort of an uncompelling experience that uh insists upon a very convoluted script yeah but i just kind of wish that nolan and this is why I would love to see him adapt someone else's script, which Me is never going to happen. Oh, my God. You know, I, I just want to see this guy make a John Wick movie. Yes, absolutely. He's he, I want to see him pull a fight club. Please, yeah. for the love of God, do a fight. Or not a, a panic room. Panic room. Yeah, pa- yeah, right, right, right. Please do a panic room. Because he's so much – I feel like he'd be so much better at adapting other people's screenplays. I don't like his writing at all. Yeah. I really don't like his writing. I don't think he knows at all what he's doing. And I think a lot of the problem – At like, one point, I think he knew a little more what he was doing. Yeah. He's devolved, I would say that. Yes. Man, though, like, like again, but that goes – that ending thing you just described is, is a similar issue I have with Interstellar because by the end of it, you realize, oh, it was all predetermined to be okay and – it's kind of predictable in that one, but it's it was even more annoying in a way. It's like because the fifth dimensional being said it was all going to be okay. You just had to go through this weird existential journey, and it's so stupid. Again, though, that is a movie that is a, that has always been about. Unlike this movie, it was always about father reunites with daughter, and, and then he leaves her. And fuck you, Murph. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't work. She's ninety. It doesn't work. Stay with your fucking daughter. She's ninety daughter. years old. <laughs> I don't care. You better away from her. For for her entire life, you piece of shit. That movie <laughs> was always about father reunites with daughter. Go back to Catwoman and fall in love with Catwoman. This movie was never about <laughs> Elizabeth <laughs> to Vicky reuniting with her son. I think it might have been. <laughs> I th- <laughs> Can I read you a direct line of dialogue from this movie? Go ahead. He wants to take 
everything with him. He's she's speaking about Kenneth Branagh at this yeah. point. He wants she he wants to take everything with him when he dies. Everything, including my son. <laughs> yes, Elizabeth, your son does fall under the umbrella yeah. of everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like if the stakes weren't high enough. Like, this is where Nolan is full of shit, right? Yes. Like, he gives you the stakes of the world is going to become uh, uh, sandpaper. Actually, no. The universe is going to become tissue paper and evaporate into thin air. It's what Doc Brown describes as the collapse of the space-time continuum. That's what's going to happen. Everything is going away. (laughs) And the only thing Elizabeth Debicki is worried about is my son is part of that. Yeah, so is the fucking Louvre, girl. Like, so is everything. So is the fucking Statue of Liberty. Everything's gone. Yes, yes. Every- <laughs> Down to the last grain of sand. Yes. Piece of shit. <laughs> like, do we, do we not inherently understand the stakes of what that means before Elizabeth Debicki says, my son? It's like, oh, now, like, the audience finally understands what's at stake here. Now I care. Right. Even though I don't know who your son is. I've right. never met your son before. <laughs> <laughs> Makes uh, no sense to me. No. Everything, including my son. Jesus fucking Christ. You have to explain something. to me. me Hit me. This was completely lost on me. Maybe you, you caught it. Was uh-huh. What's the deal with the painting? And how oh. that how that's important. Okay, this was another just like James Bond plot device that made no did, sense. Did it did was it as stupid as it felt? So <laughs> Elizabeth Debicki is an art dealer. Uh-huh. She is married to an arms dealer. Yes. Yes, I know that. I know that. I know I got that. <laughs> they met at a dealer convention somewhere. <laughs> One of those dealer conventions, you know. Just, just where all sorts of dealers. Drug dealers. Automotive dealers. Automotive dealers. <laughs> vacuum dealers real estate they all get together and they talk about selling things okay but they're they they got married and uh their relationship began when elizabeth debicki sold kenneth brana a fake painting a painting that was uh a counterfeit okay and he, she sold that painting for millions of dollars to her husband her husband discovered that the painting was a fake yes so he's now dangling this painting over her head, essentially saying, if you leave me or if you do anything to my son or if you cross me in any way, I'm going to report this to the authorities and you're going to be locked away for a long time. So he's been using this counterfeit painting as collateral over her, essentially to coerce her into an abusive relationship. It's weak. Is that clear? It's weak as hell. Yeah, I, I didn't understand why. <laughs> That's you, you. You can't just. You can't be a little better than that. I'm holding a counterfeit painting. I'm going to threaten you with jail. Ugh. It's very Bond, though. It is, isn't it? This is basically a James Bond movie. Yeah, more or less. You know, and I know like Nolan's a huge Bond fan. He's wanted to make a Bond movie for a while. I'd love to see him do a Bond. Film. Would love to. Yes, where someone else is writing the script. For the love of God, if yes. someone else is writing the script, it'd be like the coolest Bond movie ever. Yeah. Ugh. Exactly. But, um, yeah, this is essentially his version of a Bond movie. It's like a handsome dude mm-hmm. uh, and his handsome British friend uh, globetrot and, uh, and accomplish missions. But in this case, they're doing it in reverse. Can I com- comment? Is it talking about globetrotting. Let's do ab- it. About how there is, like, less than no transition to, like, when a character is in, like, Europe to when they're in the fucking Pentagon. Well, the same thing happens to Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Same problem. It's like, oh, wait, the o- they're in the Pentagon now, and the only indication I get is a sign you passed. No, not even a sign, a little doorway symbol that says Pentagon. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> no establishing shot. No, 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 like aerial view of the building. No, no plane ticket. Indiana Jones. Nothing like. We're just in the Pentagon now. Nolan is not great with establishing shots. He's not great with editing anything. No. <laughs> Dude, this is one of the, the, the strangest edited films I've ever seen in it's my so life. so weird, man. There's so much cutting. And yeah. I, I know that's a Nolan thing, but like there are shots in this movie, like just, you know, m- mid-range shots. Mm, we talked about this. This is good. Of just characters walking down a corridor and having a conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just hold on that shot, dude. Yeah. Like, it's just really frustrating to me. This is something I've become very sensitive to late in my life of just overly edited movies. Mm. I never used to have a problem with them, but now, like, I have a longer attention span. And I, I hate it when it's just, like, close up on one character as he's talking, then establishing shot again, then close up on another character while she's talking, and then establishing shot again. It's just like, hold on it. Yeah. Just hold for two minutes. I have the patience to listen to this conversation. And then they do this weird sound editing thing because there's so much cutting. Yep. The voices never sync up. So you're constantly aware of the seams as they're they're being inserted. Oh, man. Remember that one sequence in, when they're in the Pentagon and Robert Pattinson was talking? And there's dialogue for Robert Pattinson and his mouth is not moving. Yes. At all. No, there are several instances that of that. driving me nuts. Yeah. And how shitty the sound editing was. It's so bad. I couldn't believe it. It's so bad. I could not believe how just lazy those aspects were. It was, but I think it just go. I, I don't know, man. I think it, it it goes to what I'm saying. Like he's not as interested in the fundamentals as he is just getting cool stuff on screen. Is it intentional? I c- it can't be, dude. That moments like that are too literal. Yeah. There's no other way to interpret it other than, okay, I guess he just forgot to have their mouths moving (laughs) (laughs) but i do feel like the sound design is a choice it is yes definitely a choice that i agree with but is it a good choice no i wouldn't say so but i mean he certainly seems to think so i mean that's the thing with nolan dude we're gonna keep having this argument over and over again you know similar to the characters in tenant but like i i am in awe of his ambition me too the dude is fucking going for it all the time it's bold yes it's certainly bold it's a very like technically well made movie aside from like the editing and and some of the the the, the post production stuff in terms of like just what he's capturing in camera it's quite remarkable the for, the fight choreography in this is remarkable it, it, it truly is it does get a little old for me by the end of the movie but as it stands, there are many moments where it's like, okay, it's pretty awesome that he pulled that off. Like when he fucking hits the dude in the face with a cheese grater. Oh yeah. Oh my god, it's just like palpable action. It's like it's it's Bondian action actually. Yeah. Um. Same with like uh towards the end when spoiler alert, Kenneth Branagh gets pushed off the ship. Yeah. And you hear like his neck snap on the side of the yacht. Yep. I'm like fuck yeah, dude. Like this is this is like palpable tension right now. Um, and I just, you know, don't usually feel that way about uh, um, about uh, Nolan movies. But, yeah, I, I thought this was like a, a step up on an action level, but a huge step back on a on a storytelling level. And I don't know. I don't know how to square that. I really don't. Not that far off from his storytelling capabilities. I just don't think he's a great storyteller in general. I just don't think he knows what he's doing. That I might be a little bit of a stretch. I don't think he has the chops. I'm sorry, dude. I haven't seen it out of him since The Dark Knight. Uh-huh. You know, and not to say that Inception's bad, it's not, but it's the first time where it's like, mm, I see some of the seams here. I see some of the, 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 the faults, not a bad movie, but, uh, yeah, it was, it, 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 it's only gotten worse in terms of like his, his, his like balance where it's like, he used to care about 
coherent storytelling and used to care about his characters, but now it started to wane more as just the characters in the story. I, I, I don't even, I mean, this is just, it's just story. It's just, it's just steak as, as you, as you like to say, right. When talking about the counselor, yeah, <laughs> this movie is just steak. It's, it's, he, 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 he went from like giving the, the movie like true pathos, like, like his older movies having true pathos and, really well-drawn characters. He went from that to spectacle over anything else yeah. to the point where the characters lose all sense of pathos and they are literally plot devices. Yeah. This movie, they are literally plot devices. Yes. The characters, our lead character's name is the protagonist. It, it is to <laughs> self-parody, actually. That's, John David Washington is named not only in the credits as the protagonist, he is referred to in the actual movie, movie. as protagonist. protagonist. Yes, yes. I understand because of the entropy thing, you have an antagonist, you have a protagonist, but it's too obvious. Yes. <laughs> it's way too obvious, and it's, and it's never going to gel for people that, I was just doing that because technically that's what it is. Well, you're just proving my point by saying, yeah, technically all you're doing is using them as fucking plot that's devices. That's not movie making. No. Yeah. No. Give me something. Right. Give me so This is just stuff happening. And it's not self-aware enough, yes. by the way, to like say, we're just being self-referential. We're in on the joke. You know what I mean? I, I never feel like Nolan isn't on the joke. No, no, there's there is a level of self-importance to every one of his movies. Like, on, honestly, I, I've been uh, catching up on Charlie Kaufman movies this week because he has a new movie coming out this Friday. You saw Anomalisa, right? I did. I saw Anomalisa. I watched Adaptation and uh, and I'm going to watch Synecdoche, New York at some point. Um, but he, he I'm thinking of many things comes out this Friday and I've heard really good things about it. Uh, but. You know, I'm thinking about adaptation like that is a movie where Charlie Kaufman, played by Nick Cage, lays out for the audience everything he's doing in the actual script. Like he's talking about there being a a, a, or an ex machina in the third act. He's talking about how voiceover is lazy as he's actually writing voiceover. And, you know, for the mileage may vary for some people on a movie like that, but. There is not a single point in adaptation where you don't believe Charlie Kaufman isn't on the joke. He's got some sense of humor. Oh, he's got a tremendous sense yes. of humor. Uh, Nolan has none of that. Like, Nolan is just not a funny screenwriter or director in any way, shape, or form. It's like every time there's like a quote-unquote laugh, it's like, eh, There was a chuckle it. in this that, movie where he says to Elizabeth Debicki... Elizabeth Debicki says that they spent $9 million on vacation, and John David Washington goes, Where did you go on vacation? Mars... That's a, that's a that's a decent line as far as Nolan goes, <laughs> but no, he is a no. deeply unfunny and uh, unself aware filmmaker. He is not charismatic in the slightest. No, and he doesn't have that comedic bone in his body. It's just it's just he's he's not a very charming dude in that way. No, like I said, he's just interesting. the dude directs in a suit. Yes, and he puts <laughs> all of his characters in a suit. <laughs> He dresses his characters like himself, it's, essentially. It's very weird. No, when you said that this movie was going to self-parody territory, I completely believe that. Yeah. It's unaware of how self-parody it actually is. Yes. One one great critic said, like, this feels like Nolan has read all of the comments that dis- that, that are talking about him. Right. Which is pretentious enough as it is. But um, he's read what everyone thinks of him. And he's making a movie based on what everybody thinks of him. And right. this is what you get. <laughs> and he literally includes an avatar in Robert Pattinson who looks exactly like him. <laughs> yeah. He looks exactly like him. He has the same haircut. He has the same wardrobe. He's a British dude. He's young and he's suave and he's smarter than everyone else. And he's the one that's figured out the puzzle before the audience. Yeah. He's literally Robert Pattinson in this movie. Yep. 
dude what a bummer that they cast like two awesome fucking leading men and they have nothing to do in this movie no like i love john david washington he's like really developing into an awesome young actor Mm -hmm. he's got that same like it factor that his father has that's true they sound the same they look the same they uh they both have just like that scene stealing uh movie star quality yeah that that's like like uh um uh, like a magnetic kind of performance or it's like as soon as you see them you're just immediately fixed to them like timothy chalamet has that as well yes or it's just like you don't know what it is but they're just kind of a star it's well just- chalamet kind of has like that quirky sort of uh like um like sort of teen heartthrob quality whereas he's, he's john david washington comes in and he is going to beat you to death with his performance like he's a very dominant sh- actor yeah i kind of feel a similar way about Chalamet in a weird way though like, okay he can be a little more brooding and mysterious and that's kind of like the intrigue of him yeah yeah he's really good and I've, I've, I've only seen pieces of it but he he does that very well in the king okay I haven't the, seen the, the king's movie yeah. uh-huh yeah Robert Pattinson's in that too I know he is yeah yeah <laughs> and look we've talked about Pattinson a lot yeah. I just think the guy is an incredible actor but yeah uh, I agree when's the last time Robert Pattinson has been bad in a movie Twilight I guess the dude's fucking awesome. Yeah, pro- probably just Twilight. Yeah, it's so funny to think that he did Twilight. He's so he's so far removed from that now. I know and changed so much. It's just interesting to look back on. Yeah, but he is going to play Bruce Wayne, Nico. That's true. We've he's talked gonna, about that at length. He's going to play Brucey Wayney, <laughs> but he is here just to explain the plot again. Yes, but that's what every character in this movie does, with the exception of maybe Kenneth Branagh, who is just allowed to be a person. I guess <laughs> as, as thinly drawn as that person may be. You didn't think that phone call was like the most egregious thing ever. What phone call <laughs> at the end where he's on the phone with John David Washington's. Like, oh, this is why I'm doing it because people are bad and I don't <laughs> like you people for being bad. Don't you see? I had to do this. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> not great. No, <laughs> definitely not. Not great at all. Oh, and you know, this is the thing that pains me about this conversation is that I know in like two years, you're going to fucking love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Zach's going to watch it and love it. And then he's going to tell me to watch it again. And I'm going to watch it again. And I'm going to be like, wait a minute. I'm sorry, Tenet. I'm sorry, Tenet. It's a metaphor. (laughs) Oh, no look it's a metaphor for this can i don't know thematically speaking it has a lot in common with interstellar in that it's about what has always happened will continue to happen in perpetuity and you just have to have faith that the universe will work itself out but what if it doesn't work itself out has he is is no one willing to tackle that idea what if it all goes wrong no he's no he's not willing to do that No, he's not that's an issue. Okay. Well, I mean, he was like halfway through Dark Knight, but then at the end of the day, the Joker still was defeated. He's still defeated, and Batman's like, you know what? I'll I'll be the enemy, and Gotham can live on forever. Exactly. It's good in that. Yeah. Uh, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, when you're dealing with a dude in a cape fighting a clown. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need some perspective here. Exactly. He looks like, you know, pretty, uh, you know, insightful when he writes a Batman script. But when he writes a script about like big ideas like faith and the protagonist is similar to McConaughey in Interstellar, like this sort of ideal um, messianic figure. I mean, he's kind of like that. That's what you can think of as God. I, and we've talked about that with Interstellar in the past. Well, he literally is supposed to be like Jesus. Given, yes. Given his initials. Joseph Uh, Cooper. Right. Well, there you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, there is this, this whole idea that, you know, you just have to have faith that the universe will work itself out and that everything has a purpose. Everything is part of a plan. I don't even disagree with that, but I'm like, I, I want to see you tackle something that's a little more dynamic, dude. Because again, this goes back to what I'm saying is with his voice is that in a lot of ways, it just feels like he's pulling the same tricks. Yeah. Even though he's doing these incredible otherworldly, uh, I don't know, machinations with his movies and these crazy concepts and trying to pull them off practically and for the most part doing them very well. That's all cool and they're different from every movie, but at the end of the day, it still feels like you were telling the same story. That shouldn't happen, but it kind of feels that way. Tell me this. The idea of like the bullet hole in the glass before the bullet actually goes through the person. That's a fucking cool cinematic device. Mm. You know what I mean? The the problem is, though, that Nolan gets that idea. You say that he is in service of spectacle. I actually don't think he is. I think he's in service of ideas. I but think that's that, part of it, I think. Yeah, I think the guy gets an idea that he thinks would make a great movie. And in a lot of cases, he's right. Um, I think that this is a, a a compelling idea for a time travel story and a, a unique take on what's a pretty uh, worn out genre. Um, I, I, again, though, I, I just think he goes too far with it. Yes. I just think he does too much. And I think if this is just a movie about bullets that can uh, that, that can travel in reverse and kill people before they're actually shot. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Sign <laughs> me up for that. And that look, that visual of the glass before Elizabeth Debicki is shot in mm. the, in that little chamber and John David Washington looking at that bullet hole and knowing the inevitable is about to occur. That's fucking awesome. That's really cool. Movie making. Um, I just wish though that he kind of took his advice at the beginning of the movie and a character actually says this in the movie. Don't try to understand it. Just feel it. Then why are the characters constantly trying to make us understand? Exactly. It? That's an issue. I, I actually, that line sounds ridiculous and it sounds like it's self parody, which it is, but also like, yeah, Nolan, great advice. Just let us feel it and stop trying to shove down all of this convoluted story mechanics down our throat. It's a lot of telling, man. Like if this movie was much quieter uh-huh. and, and really committed to the idea of just feeling your way through the movie, it might have worked much better. But the movie is constantly sitting you down like you're five years old. Mm-hmm. Constantly, constantly. And on, and this is kind of what I'm getting at with the two hours and 30 minute runtime. That's most of the movie. And um, and it's, it's also interesting is that even when it's not being a balls to the wall action movie, the pacing of it, even in those talking scenes, is just go, go, go. No, rushing, it's, it's unrelenting. Yeah. Rushing through everything. I don't have time to compute any of it. Yes. If, if you really want me to understand this stuff, let me sit with it, please. Yeah. Please. Like if that's what it's asking for. So commit to that with your, your pacing here. Right. This is one of the most horribly paced movies. Are I've you seen saying you while. want another half hour of tenant? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> You wanted it to be a half hour longer. I want a different script. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> right. And then you, if you fix that script a little bit, you could also make it shorter, but m- more effective. Yeah. You know, you know what, you know what Einstein said, you know, that great Einstein quote, what, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what this is. I don't know. Do you feel like Christopher Nolan doesn't understand the, the movie? Not, not entirely. Or he's just unable to communicate it. He's certainly unable to communicate it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. (sighs) There's a lot going on here. Yes. And that's, again, people are going to love that about the movie. I'm like, I don't know if that's inherently a good thing. Well, there is a certain subsection of moviegoer that hangs out on Reddit and that loves a movie that is begging to be solved. 
Okay. okay. You know what I mean? And I and I'm not one of those people, but yes, they're always going to love a puzzle that they can't quite grasp. And that that experience of solving the movie is actually better than the understanding of the movie. And this is the problem. I feel like I I have more or less solved the puzzle by the end of this movie. And I feel like I've already said this, but again, if I've already solved the puzzle, what what reason do I have to go back? What else do you have for me? What else is there aside from like this cool-ish action, but like I said it kind of wore out for me by the end of it? What else is there? I don't know. Let me be clear. <sighs> I'm going to see this movie again when you can. I'm going yes, I'm going again. I'm going to pay money to go see this movie again and I'm going to see if I can get to the bottom of it. Okay. And we're, I'm going to see if a second viewing is actually uh helpful All or right. if it's just a waste of time. <laughs> Either way, I'm spending $15 to see this movie Jesus again. Christ. It's going to happen. And I'm going to figure out once and for all what the <laughs> fuck is the matter with this thing. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> Two in the Lord's work. I know. Really? Uh, yeah. What about free will, though? Adam, what about free will? <laughs> what about free will? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, literally, this movie begins with a protagonist named the protagonist on train tracks as a train is approaching being tortured by mm. foreigners. Yeah. It's literally like silent movie style. He's tied to a chair on train tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, there is Nolan bro. Yeah. How, how about that opening when, when the first gunshot is heard, how it, there it's like less than 10 seconds before the action just started. Oh, right away. I don't know if that worked for me at all. <sighs> I usually like the way that Nolan opens a movie. I yeah. usually think like his opening scenes are his best scenes. It works very well in the Dark Knight, but yeah. there's build up to the the chaos that ensues. Yeah, and it takes its time, and there, it creates this ominous feel where it's like something bad's going to happen. You don't quite know what, and then it kicks off. Yeah. Again, though, that's even though even though I've criticized some of the editing in that movie in the past, that is a tremendously better edited film than this. But again, it's just I I just want careful storytelling. I think that's what I'm getting at more so than anything. I like a. Um, a filmmaker that is confident in their, in their, in their story, but is again, you know, just, just they, they treat it with respect. They're not abusing their story as they're trying to rush it through. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It does feel like <laughs> Nolan is abusing his own writing. It feels like he's just beating the shit out of this movie. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just try less. Yeah. Try less. Yes. I actually agree. Mm-hmm. Anything else you got? I didn't like the movie. <laughs> I got that much. Did I make that clear? I, didn't I got like that it. much. I didn't like the movie. This is honestly the first time I walked out of a Nolan movie and I'm like, what the hell was that? Honestly. Honestly, the first time. Okay. This is the most I have disliked a Christopher Nolan movie, I think, ever. Even more so than The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. No, I think it could be worse than The Dark Knight Rises. At yeah. least The Dark Knight Rises has some fun moments. I had some fun. It's not... It's a mess, but I still... I still... Uh, Fucking Bane's in that movie, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hardy yeah, is Tom Bane. Christian Bale's in that movie. Fucking Anne Hathaway's awesome in yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's got its its cool action moments. I mean, it, like I said, the movie is a mess, but like I wasn't just, just, just frustrated with confusion. Yeah. It wasn't like that. So. Tenant. I understood the how and the why, even if the how and the why were stupid in that movie. Whereas this... Eh. I don't understand how and why, and I feel like the how and whys are just as stupid. <laughs> Probably. Do you feel like movie theaters have been saved? No. Personally? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do we have? Tenet and New Mutants? <laughs> I 
this is our A team. This is who we're sending in to save cinema. Cinema is not going to get saved in that way. Though. That's like, the best you got. I feel so bad for movies this year. It doesn't matter. Like if you if you release The Godfather this year, that movie wouldn't re- have saved theaters. Yeah, that's just not the nature of what's going on with cinemas right now. It's over. Yeah. Netflix is gonna. We're gonna do the end of the year top ten list, and seven of those movies are gonna be Netflix movies. Yeah. You know, we just have to come to terms with that. Um, no, I gotta see a few movies. It's gonna be a very thin top ten list, by the way. <laughs> very, very thin. I just want to. I want to squeeze in Dune. Please let me squeeze in Dune. I'm hoping for you, for your sake. It could happen. Hey, I want this for you so bad. It could happen. It could be. It could. It could come to fruition. Yeah, and they won't delay it until next year. <laughs> Dune coming soon to HBO Max. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh boy! All right, that's all. That's all I got. I got. Uh, yeah. That's what it. do you want to do next week? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Want to do Kaufman? I have to watch a bunch of Kaufman movies. Yeah. But... Yeah. I His get... new movie comes out Friday. I could do. I could do Kaufman. Yeah. yeah why not? Why Charlie not? Kaufman. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Why not? All right. I'm in the mood. I'm I'm really <laughs> on a Charlie Kaufman kick lately. All right, all right, all right. So what do you want to do? Five movies? Yeah. Uh I, I think so I think we'll include movies that he has written and directed. Um because he does, he only has three directorial efforts. Okay. So I'm thinking of ending things. We'll talk about that. Um, but we won't nominate it. And we'll do Anomalisa, Synecdoche, New York, Eternal Sunshine adaptation and being john malkovich what do you think say those again anomalisa being synecdoche new york adaptation eternal sunshine okay and being john malkovich okay sound good those are the ones do we have to watch the new movie i think it'd be a good idea when's it coming out friday on what like amazon netflix netflix oh netflix oh i didn't realize that yeah okay yeah i guess i'll watch it cool I hope it's good. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. You want to stand up for that movie? Oh God, we've already talked about. Okay, that I like that movie a lot, though. So. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just a little, little, little tired. I want to see. A, I want to go to the the theater and see a, a really good movie that I haven't seen before. Okay. You know. You know. I. I'll, what am I going to do? Hold out for Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do a Mulan podcast. Friday, I think, too, right? In theaters? No, on Disney Plus. Oh, they just decided to say, fuck it, we're going to release it on Disney. Okay. This Friday. That's kind of cool. You going to watch it? Hey, it looks kung fu-y. You know how much it's going to cost you? Uh, No. $30. $30, that's right, that's right. (laughs) Plus a Disney Plus subscription. Oh, Jesus. Oh, boy, movies, 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 movies. movies. We still love them. Yeah, oh, God. As much as they don't love us, we still love them. (laughs) And by the way, I still love you, Christopher Nolan. I still love you. There, I said it. I don't. We're just going through a rough (laughs) patch right now. (laughs) I don't love him. Yeah. I still love him. All right, that's all. Yeah. Love you guys. Until next time, you got anything for me? No, just happy movie happening.